In Ag and Review for the week ending February 7th, the much-discussed Farm Bill finally became Farm Law. The long-awaited 2014 Farm Bill has been approved by Congress. The bill, which was passed by the House last week and by the Senate earlier today, is what many are calling a good compromise. As Georgia Senator Saxby Chambliss says, all the hard work has finally paid off. We've come up with some options in the Farm Bill that really address issues that Midwest farmers are happy with and southeast farmers are happy with and um, as we've always done we finally have come together and uh, I think come up with a proposal that does not guarantee anybody any income in farming but it does provide a safety net when times are tough and uh, prices and yields are low. But not everyone is cheering as Iowa Senator Charles Grassley opposed the farm bill because it does not include his long champion payment limits. Limits both the Senate and House originally approved but were changed in conference. This intentional change by the conference committee allows each farmer to get significantly more from these new countercyclical programs that are not even WTO compliant. Grassley notes that the change violated Senate rules. Rule 28 of the United States Senate says that if things are the same in both houses, they should not be conferenceable. The farm bill includes payment limits 150% greater than either chamber had initially approved. Of course, the president did indeed sign the bill, making it official well over a year after it first expired. The farm bill was also the big talk in Nashville, where Randall Wiseman reported from the NCBA convention. Christina Butts, the executive director of legislative affairs for NCBA, said this bill has been a very long process. We started this farm bill process four years ago, three years ago working with Congress, and really worked hard to get what our producers were going to need in terms of disaster programs, the research title, conservation programs, and regulatory fixes to issues like GYPSA, which has been out since the 2008 farm bill. Um, Country of origin labeling has evolved since we've been discussing this farm bill, and that became a top priority for our membership to make sure this farm bill addressed the concerns that the WTO validated from Canada and Mexico that, yes, our labeling protocol for red meat is in violation of these WTO standards. So um, we were very hopeful, had a lot of support, House, and quite a bit of support in the Senate to bring some type of reform forward. But when the uh, deal was cut and the papers lay, cool was left out, as well as GYPSA and some of our other regulatory issues. So our producers, our officers, made the decision that whereas disaster impacts producers in certain regions and states, conservation programs the same way, but when we start looking at retaliation from one of our top two or our top two export markets, that's going to cost every producer at every level of the beef industry. So we actually came out in opposition, a final passage of the Farm Bill, that we'd worked so hard to try to get together and make it something that cattlemen could support. And obviously the top two markets, Canada and Mexico. Now, I realize, uh, of course, President Scott George just a week or so ago had a uh, teleconference and uh, really strongly uh, opposed passing this farm bill. What else can be done now at this point? I realize the farm bill was the best avenue. Are there other avenues to go? Well, we're going to be looking for other avenues. We have a lot of members who wanted this issue addressed in the Farm Bill that have reached out to us to say, what can we do moving forward? How can we work with you? How can we help you? So I think right now we're going to have those discussions in our policy meetings this week, figure out the directions we want to go. But I would say that everything is absolutely on the table, and we're going to do everything that we can to make sure we get this resolved because we do not want our export markets, Canada and Mexico, which last year Canada was a billion dollars of beef exports for U.S. beef producers, and Mexico is just barely under $1 billion. 
dollars. That's a lot of money for our bottom line of our producers. And when those markets are going to retaliate against U.S. beef, where Canada will put a 100% surtax on all U.S. beef going into Canada, and Mexico typically just shuts us out of the market, and it will take years to get back into that market, um, we're serious about this. This means a lot to our membership, and this has really been one of those issues that's rallied the support of our of our grassroots more than anything else during these farm bill negotiations. So various meetings on the policy side of NCBA have been taking place and will continue the rest of the week on this and other issues of importance to cattle producers across the nation. If you'd like more information on the 2014 Cattle Industry Convention, which runs through Friday, just log on to the NCBA website at beefusa.org. And we had this report on the suggested best uses of the funds allocated for citrus research. For the passage of the 2014 Farm Bill comes the infusion of scores of millions of extra federal dollars for research into HLB and other citrus diseases. The question is how do we most effectively use it given that we've already got this portfolio in place. There's ongoing research in California, Texas, and other places in the world. So the real challenge for us will be to figure out what the best use of additional resources are. That's Citrus Research and Development Foundation Chief Operations Officer Harold Browning, who offers his thoughts on uses for the new funding. With the crop forecast declining, clearly the growers of Florida are going to be more limited in how much they can contribute to research. So it'll help relieve that stress in a big way. Uh, Secondly, we're moving from research to product delivery and trying to move these solutions to the field. And so it isn't just about research, it's about what are the limitations, partnering with companies that can help us move an antibiotic or a new product out to the the industry. And then, of course, there are regulatory and other costs associated with that. So to the extent we can use the money in whatever step is necessary to deliver a solution, I think it's a good opportunity. It's a it's a good problem to have. But uh, just just to be fair, um, one shouldn't assume that now that there's going to be additional money available, that somehow a new solution is just going to pop out of the woodwork. Because we've done a fairly exhaustive, broad view look at at the science around HLB and the vector and the plant, and there's a lot of avenues of research that are being pursued. So obviously, we want to keep those going refine those that are making progress and use this money to get them into the field as quickly as we can. The Citrus Research and Disease Initiative provides up to $25 million for five years to the citrus industry for research efforts. And as we wrap up for this week, we have this from Everett Greiner. With so much news and talk about world hunger, you have to feel some relief about how science and modern farming are holding their ground. I just read about last year's crop yields. Actually, no new records were established, uh, but some outstanding individual yields were produced. And considering the unusual weather conditions around the country, farmers did a very good job. But, you know, it's those individual yields that I'm talking about. A Missouri farmer picked five bales of cotton from a single acre. A Virginia farmer averaged 3.7 bushels of corn from a five-acre plot. Several Georgia farmers picked over three tons of peanuts per acre and in spite of an exceptionally wet year, too. Well, feeding a growing population is still a challenge to the world's farmers, but American farmers are doing a good job. Oh, better than that, a great job of holding their own. And don't forget, you can find these stories along with all the week's Southeast Agnet reports on our website at southeastagnet.com. I'm Julie McPeak with Southeast Agnet's podcast.